welcome to The Vinyl Crawl, your weekly podcast about craft beer and vinyl records. I'm your host, Alan Miller, joined today by Matt Pfefferkorn. Hey, Matt. Howdy. So, the genre. Yes. It's one we both know. It's one that's near and dear to both of us. Yes. You want to tell them what it is? New Grass. The genre is New Grass. The genre, genre, genre. The genre. Is New Grass. Which is a subgenre of bluegrass. Bluegrass. Right. The progressive side. The softer No, that's the softer no. side. The progressive side of bluegrass. Yes. And the beer we are drinking to go with that is a Kentucky beer to go with it Kentucky is. genre. Yep. It's Bowen Luke. Bowen Luke from Against the Grain Brewery. And uh, where, where are they out of? Louisville? Louisville. Is it Louisville? I couldn't remember if it was Louisville or Lexington. I think it's it's it is Louisville. Okay. Yeah. I don't Just know why sure that like I don't know why that laughs my brain either, but <laughs> yeah, we wanted to make sure and do a Kentucky beer with a Kentucky genre. And this is one that I've had in the cellar for a little while. It's uh one that's not doesn't come around that often. So it's sealed in wax. <laughs> it kind is kind of like a like Maker's Mark or something like that, where you have yeah. the nice wax over the top. Yeah, it's worthy of looking the label up. Yeah, the label's amazing. Uh, we have a we have a zombie riding in the General Lee <laughs> with uh, which one's the zombie? Is that Bo or Luke? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't remember. That which would is be which. Luke, I believe. Okay, so Bo's got the skull cap on the skull helmet thing, and he's shooting a gun up into the air. Uh, great great label like a lot of theirs they have (laughs) they do have some interesting labels on their yes they do Uh, there's one called the brown note that's theirs as well correct yes yeah that's the famous one uh so this is a imperial smoked stout aged in bourbon barrels which is what you would expect from a kentucky beer true aged in bourbon barrels yeah it's kind of what we're known for don't let the smoked part of it scare you off not very smoky Mm -mm. in the glass and the bottle smelled kind of smoky. Yeah. But in the glass, really just smells more like a stout. So what do you what do you think? What's your first impressions of it? Uh, my first impression is I like it. Okay. Uh, I'm a fan of a nice chocolatey stout. Um, it is a little boozy. It's very it's, boozy. It's starting to calm down a bit. Yeah. You know, it's been open for about 10 minutes now. So, um, you know, it's definitely hitting all the notes for sure. The, uh, the bourbon really comes through, mm-hmm. um, the, the bourbon barrels and the aging process. I think you really taste a lot of that. And that's probably where the booziness comes from is, is what we're tasting in the, that charred barrel kind yeah. of flavor. Yep. Um, cause it's reminiscent of, of when you take a sip of, of bourbon that after that aftertaste mm-hmm. you get. The, the kind of charred oaky aftertaste yeah, you get from true. bourbon. It's nice. I like it. I don't know if I love it. It's a little little too boozy for me, I think. Yeah. Of course, it's a 13%. It's 13%. So. I mean, <laughs> you're going to make it count, make it count. It's a great right. bottle to share. Definitely. Um, you know? I didn't see how many ounces it was. 22. Wow. Yeah. Definitely suggest 
sharing it. It's actually 25. Oh, is it 25? Even better. Yeah, definitely suggest sharing that with a friend or friends. Yeah, it's it's nice. It's a good pour. And uh, it's got a really good color to it as well. It's got a great color. Yeah. It has that, um, has a head on it kind of like a Guinness where it has that nice, like, creamy looking, Mm -hmm. you know, head to it. It's got the good lacing going on. Oh, we're, getting, we're getting fancy now. Let's get fancy. <laughs> what do you get? What do you get on the palate? What kind of? So you got to swish it a little bit too. I wouldn't spit oh, it out. True. It's probably a little too expensive no. for that. But what what do you get on the palate, Matt? What what's your what are you tasting? Well, I've got uh, definitely got some chocolate coming through. Some booze. And some booze. <laughs> Fixing to get drunk on this palate. That's <laughs> what's gonna happen. Well, it's a it's definitely a bold beer that is befitting is. of a bold genre, which is the new grass genre. Which I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with, to be honest. Yeah, and you know the thing is they probably are familiar with it, they just didn't know that's what it was, maybe. That's very true. Yeah. Um I guess the history of it, to give a brief history of when it started, was uh, started in the late 60s into 70s. Yeah. With the uh, the mixing of traditional bluegrass instrumentation with more progressive rock music, jazz mm-hmm. music, classical, a little bit of everything. Adding electric instruments. Adding electric instruments. It. And one of the forerunners for that genre is New Grass Revival which was a local band from around yeah. these parts where mm-hmm. we are. And the album we're talking about is their 1979 album, Barron County, which just so happens to be the county where I'm from. Yeah. So. And I'm not. <laughs> and you're not. And I'm not. But you do have an appreciation of newgrass music. Absolutely. So what is the... Um, let, let me ask this question, I guess. Uh, there was a new grass festival oh, yeah. that we used to have around yes. here. Did yeah. you have a part in that as well? Can you do some things with that? Um, it was more on a sponsorship level and I don't know. Just I just always remember seeing out. you yeah. at the festival a yeah. lot. You're friends with Sam Bush, who's yeah. one of the guys in New Grass Revival. Fabulous festival. It was basically, that festival was started by uh, Kenny Lee Smith to recognize new grass music and to i guess proclaim sam bush as the father of new grass right which and and that's the fun thing with new grass is it's sort of the the punk rock version of bluegrass where it's outside of the boundaries of traditional uh gospel bluegrass or the bill monroe school of bluegrass bill monroe hated new grass right (laughs) right yeah i mean it was it's completely out of out of school from what they yeah. did. Um, but without a band like new grass revival, you don't get nickel Creek and you don't get probably string uh, cheese incident. Uh, old crow. String old crow. You, you don't get a lot of those groups. Yeah. New grass. Avit brothers. True. Very true. Um, yeah. You know. Basically any group you can think of that uses the traditional bluegrass instruments in a modern role. Mm-hmm. Oh, a debt from the guys at Newgrass right. Revival. Yeah. Which, for this album, they, they had some lineup changes through the years. This is their earlier yeah. 
earlier lineup, the I guess this is maybe the that's the core lineup, the, the core from the well, early years, anyways. Yeah, uh, which was Sam Bush, Curtis Sam Bush played mandolin, and everything. He just a virtuoso. Yeah, uh, Curtis Birch on dobro. Doctor uh, Dobro, Doctor Dobro, yeah, one of the finest Dobro <laughs> oh, players, man. if yeah. not the finest. Hands down, um, John Cowan on electric bass mm-hmm. and vocals, uh, and then Courtney Johnson on banjo. Yeah, that's that's the core, the core original New Grass yeah. lineup. Right. Then there was, you know, in the '80s, they made some changes. They sure. Adopted a little bit more of a country sound. Um, yeah. They had the yeah, I guess they, they had they did. the breakout with Colin Baton Rouge. Yeah. That they later gave to Garth Brooks, who had a huge hit with it. Right. Uh, I'm sure the royalty checks oh, are yeah. still coming had, in. It had to be great. You know, John Cowan sings on that song, too. He sings mm-hmm. the, the high That's true. High yeah. vocals on that song. Great song. Yeah. But just that's a different version of Newgrass. The 80s version is a different, especially if you talk to the old folks around here. Yeah. They, those guys are very opinionated with what they think new grass revival is there's basically the pre-bela fleck years and the post-bela fleck right. years who and he's the banjo virtuoso that came into the group so what's your what's your take on that do you enjoy both of them um i do you know i like this 70s new grass revival for the cutting edge bluegrass side of things i love the early 80s for the more jazz stretching out time period. You know, when Bela came in, they were do uh Sapporo, that yeah, long, um, cool jam. Metric lips was yep. that one? Yeah. Yeah. There's and, a there was a lot of odd time signatures and things like that that started to happen. Right. Which if if anyone listening's ever you look up Bela Fleck and the Fleck tones. Yeah. Look look that group up. Yep. It's some of the most and it follows in the in the same tradition as Newgrass where they're taking bluegrass instruments and mixing in electric instruments. You know, Bela is playing his banjo in all kinds of wild fashions mm-hmm. with, uh, was it Victor Wooten that played yeah. bass yep. with them? Uh, and Future Man on drums. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're just going off into outer space with, with traditional bluegrass is what they're trying right. to do. Yeah. Um, so, and then Bela Fleck has went on to do a million things with world music. Crazy and, stuff. The whole, know, uh, what was it? Um, he went to Africa. Yeah, and then he did the stuff with Yo-Yo Ma and Josh Bell. He did, and, yep. I mean, yep. you know. There's a whole lineage that all branches out from this late 60s to 70s Newgrass movement. And it, it just consisted of a bunch of guys that wanted to play traditional bluegrass instruments, but not in the constraints of the Bill Monroe, Flatt and Scruggs school of, right. you know, school of bluegrass. Yeah. So it, it's a really interesting genre to to dive into and it, it'll just yeah, keep going you can't stop like it'll keep going into it branches into a million different different paths for people it does yeah. some that some that loop around into more traditional and then some that just go out into every every craziness corner yeah place you can imagine yeah very true but we picked this album because uh and we were just talking a little bit earlier about this one and the one after it commonwealth are probably you probably put them side by side mm-hmm. as like the best couple albums. Yeah, Commonwealth very strong. Of course, that's the first one with Bela, right? And 
steam-powered aer- aeroplanes on there. Uh, you know, I, I think, what else is on there? Is White Freightliner on there, or is that on Barron County? Uh, well, Fly Through the Country might have had some of those too, didn't it? White Freightliner? Mm-hmm. That might have been on this one, on When the Storm's Over. I can't remember. There's two or three here that we've got, we've got a stack of records we we're looking at because there's stack. so there's there's probably what 12 14 new grass albums maybe yeah something like that there's a lot of records to digest and they're all kind of different they've all got um they've all got their own thing and then the other one you've got on the table is the leon russell with new grass revival which is its own thing too um what was it on Commonwealth? Was that the white? Oh, uh, Sapporo was on here. Okay. So that's that's your introduction to Bela Fleck. Yeah, so like Barron County is like the tail end of their still sticking to more traditional bluegrass mixed with a fusion of everything else. And then when you get into Commonwealth, it's like moving more towards jazz with bluegrass instrumentation. Actually, no, Bela wasn't on this one. Oh, okay. So I guess... Sam maybe is playing on Sapporo. Maybe he wrote that one. He did write it. Yeah. So Bela didn't come in until probably the album after that one. That, the one, uh, what was that one album? That one. Oh, the, the Bela Fleck with Newgrass Revival? Yeah. Okay. That's probably right around the time, Huh. I guess. So yeah, we I mean, me and you know this stuff and we're already like running in circles around it. I know. Um it you know it's like these albums just they hold a really special place especially for me cuz it's the music of where I'm from basically. This is this is every time you go into well, we used to have a local music store in Barron County, but it's gone now, sadly. Yeah. But anytime you would walk in there, there were pictures of these guys all over the place because that's what they would do when they were in town. They would stop in and play. Mm-hmm. Sam was always in backstage music. Yeah. In Glasgow, you know, sitting around talking to Kenny Weber that ran the place, who was also a really good bu- uh, bluegrass musician. Mm-hmm. So they would be in there jamming or, you know, Courtney from way back and stuff like that. So it's, you know, these these were kind of our first local heroes before Kentucky Headhunters. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Not to take anything true. away from the Headhunters, because they, they were great as well. Absolutely. But, but Newgrass was our first local hero. Here's one reason that you should seek out Barron County, though, if you wanted to, to get into this stuff. Try to find a vinyl copy, because it has some of the best album art. Oh, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a highly stylized, illustrated version of like a map of Barron County. It's kind of like one of those old maps that you get... You know, like I remember them right. from uh, 1976, the uh-huh. bicentennial year or whatever, right. where you'd have, you know, just it the way it they like draw hand illustrated, yeah. like in a comic type, right? It's like a comic yeah. book kind of illustration, but but like kid friendly almost looking, you know? Yeah, I think very... banks used to give out calendars and stuff like yes. that. Yes, yeah, but it's it's funny because it's got all these little like vignettes in it there's the there's a sign that says one mile to burger death it's got like hamburgers and fries on it and then there's some there's like an old man old woman plant in the field and uh some really strange billboards that like 
This one says to drink onion something. I don't know what that <laughs> what that even means. And then of course there's like a bear holding a microphone and recording the little band of like frogs and it's it's almost psychedelic in a way. It's it like is. Uh, it's like bluegrass psychedelia a little bit. But what's cool you talk about that bear holding a microphone, he's doing field recordings. Right. Right. <laughs> Which is a bluegrass thing. For sure, yeah. You know? And then, you know, on the back, you've got the carousel that says Flying Fish in the middle of it, which was their record label. Right. Um, and it's it's got a fish flying around it. And then you've got the county fair with the, with the band playing on the stage, and they're all made up of different animals with bluegrass instruments. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's really cool. It's like you could almost just frame that. Like you could, you could flatten yeah. out the gatefold and frame it, and it would look amazing. Um, the thing that I love is that picture on the inside of the gatefold with yeah. them all sitting on the porch. Um, it's, I think it's a little more symbolic than people thought when they first looked at it because you've got Sam in his overalls with his mandolin. Mm-hmm. Just looks like a traditional bluegrass guy with long hair. Right. You've got Curtis with an acoustic guitar. Looks traditional as well. Then right smack in the middle of all of them, you've got a Fender amplifier. Yeah. And you've got John with electric bass. And you got Courtney looking traditional as well. It's like they were, they're kind of poking fun at the traditional aspect of bluegrass by sticking that amp right in the middle of the shot. Yeah. Like yeah. a big, fat Fender And amp having right long there. hair and scraggly beards. Yeah. And, you know, because that was probably one of Bill Monroe's things. You know, it's like you get on stage and we're dressed in suits and we play three minute bluegrass tunes right. that are traditional and we do not stray, you know? I mean, there was a famous feud between Sam Bush and yeah. Bill Monroe, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't remember the specifics of it, but do you? I don't remember the specifics, but I remember hearing that Sam asked Bill, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? new grass music i don't even know if they said new grass music or whatever and he said i hate it right but and you know that's all interesting i think maybe you can trace new grass starting 69 70 probably one of the things to me was when flat and scruggs broke up and earl scruggs made that album i saw the light oh okay which had Lonesome and A Long Way From Home, which was kind of progressive at the time. And he, much like that Will the Circle Be Unbroken album. The you Nitty know, Gritty Dirt yeah, Band compilation. Which, you know, right around that time period as well. But he had like Linda Ronstadt singing on his album, mixing in electric instruments. And then soon after that, I think Newgrass was formed as well. So you had just this group of people that were wanting to do something different right but still seeped in a little bit of the traditional side well, of things and there's something about this area that's really fertile for that kind of musicianship that traditional you know acoustic instrument bluegrass type of uh, of playing you know i've been to random people's houses on a you know on a friday night or something seeing curtis come yeah. in and play step in with with dobro there was one night that I can remember that these people came up from Alabama or no, sorry. They came from Georgia. It was a husband and wife. She played stand up bass mm-hmm. and he played acoustic or something and they just rolled into town. It's like when they roll into town, 
they've got this network of people they all know. So right. they'll all show up to a house and it's just like a house show. It's just, they're just jamming. Yeah. But it's some of the most incredible stuff you'll ever hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, Curtis is, you know, he's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure he's, you know, he, he's got a day job that he works here. He doesn't just play Dobro no. all the time, which blows my mind that he doesn't, but you know, yeah. he does what he wants to do there. Um, but it, it's just, this area is so fertile with that type of musicianship. We might not be known for like a lot of, you know, rock and roll, punk rock, things like that. But as far as traditional folk and bluegrass, we're, we're yeah. chock full of it around yeah. here. Yeah. And with the, I guess, progression of new grass revival, the popularity of them, you know, probably had a lot for Sam and them going to Telluride also, mm-hmm. which is a hotbed for right. progressive music and, and you know, whatnot. But that definitely, I would say, furthered new grass, new grass revival and their popularity. So what's, um, g- give me your track rundown on there of stuff you think people need to hear on that album. Besides the whole album, I mean, it's, it's whole, solid. From start to finish. It's, um, it's a great album. Well, probably my top tracks, In the Plan, uh, Spring Peepers, Souvenir Bottles, Lee Highway Blues, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dancing with the Angels. I mean, it's it's a solid album. Honestly, if I had to pick, if I had to pick two, I would go with In the Plan and Lee Highway Blues. I, I'm with you on the Lee Highway Blues. Um, I would probably pick Dancing with the Angels yeah. with that, just because the harmonies on there are incredible. It is. You know, true. they had they had John in there, John Cowan, who could just hit these ridiculously high notes. Yeah. Which is something that's it's kind of funny because that's a trope of bluegrass music is these guys hitting these super duper nasally high um, high harmonies because Bill Monroe used to do it. Yeah. So it became like a trope of like, you got to have the one guy that can hit the high notes, but John had such a powerful and soulful voice. You know, he, it's true. He adds he did a lot bring of the, the soul to it. He adds know? a lot of the soulfulness to where it's, you know, traditional bluegrass, they would just hit that note and hold it. And it's just like there for effect. Yeah. Like you got to have the guy that sings the high harmony, but it's just there for effect. And you just hold it straight. Well, Cowan, he he puts a little juice on it like it doesn't just he doesn't just hold a note he kind of sometimes he reminds me of like you know like a metal singer from the 80s where they just put the vibrato on it and and I really think he ride did that. kind of a hard rock thing yeah. in the 80s actually well i mean it and it fits with their idea of we're not going to be traditional bluegrass yeah. we're going to just we don't do, want to be held down right we want to play whatever that. we want yeah. we want to play to a younger crowd mm-hmm. that's the other thing is you know the, and it's still the same way when, and I don't I don't want to call this guy out because it's it's whatever, but who cares? Dole Lawson when he would come into yeah <laughs> and Quicksilver when they right. would come into town, the crowd's all in their eighties. I mean yeah. everybody that comes out's got their lawn chair and they're old mm-hmm. and they don't want anything too fancy because that might like give them heart palpitations yeah. they'll kill over. Well, there's a time and a place for something like that. True. And then Very there's true. also room for this type yeah, of music. I, I just always took it as new grass was not like we don't want all the yeah. old fogies just out there watching yeah. us. We'd like to get the younger people there too. Well, prime example, new grass opened up for the Grateful Dead 
in 89. Really? New Year's Eve. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in Oakland. I did not know that. In Oakland, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's just, that's your perfect example of newgrass music. You right. know, they wanted right. to play to some, a crowd that opens up their mind. Yeah. And the thing that I also find so, you know, fascinating about newgrass is just how prevalent what they were doing is in popular music now. Oh yeah. Cause you, you mentioned like Avet brothers, like they owe all of what they do to this sort of thing yeah. happening in the seventies. Cause without that, you don't get Avet brothers. Right. Or, you know, nickel Creek. They're, they're the easiest Chris choice. Steely. Yeah. Chris I mean, Steely. look at that, you know, granted he's, you know, he's a virtuoso in, a, in his own thing. Right. You know, he's doing those Bach pieces on mandolin sure. and stuff. Yeah. But I think without, and he said this too, without Sam and without new grass, there's no way they could have come up with, with those Nickel Creek no albums yeah. that were like a super contemporary bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Uh, even you mentioned, you know, Sam and everybody being local to here, not far away from Nashville, the Farewell Drifters. Oh, yeah. There's another, you know, I don't think they're together anymore, but um, they had that new grass sound as well. They really did. Larry yeah. Keel. Also, who is carrying on that kind of that torch of the new grass style mm-hmm. of things? I struggled a little bit trying to think of like I, I thought I that we needed to pick a new grass album for new grass genre because it, yeah. it would be ridiculous not to. But like in my top five of albums of that genre, I would probably put the Nickel Creek uh, "Why Should the Fire Die" yeah. album. Yeah. And I mean, that album dances around a lot of different genres, Mm -hmm. but I think that he used a lot of the same odd time signatures that Sam likes to do with a mandolin. Like there's a specific way that Chris Thiele plays on certain songs that you can hear Sam doing way earlier on. Right. On something like Sapporo. Yeah. Or or, um, I think, I think Metric Lips was mostly a banjo, but Sam might've had some things on that too. Mm -hmm. There's another song that I can't think of that's really strange that was one of their like instrumental pieces yeah it i was, should go back and listen it was to that a bela led song but it's in like five four time and i can't think of the i can't think of the name of it but there's a lot of that stuff once bela got into the group they really expanded out their kind of jazz fusion influences yeah you know and then they realized they need to make some money <laughs> and <laughs> they realized that wasn't going to make them anything um or even like reggae, like with revival. Oh yeah, you know we didn't even talk about true. that. Sam That's true. Sam dipped into reggae yeah. for a little while, yeah. and and it's not even, uh, it's not a corny song. It's a really good song. Like he made that work. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great example of how that progressive style of bluegrass blends perfect with reggae. Yeah, I if, mean, if nothing else, they did show that you can use those instruments to play anything Mm -hmm. to your heart's desire. Like there is nothing you can't do with those instruments. And maybe that's the biggest takeaway from new grass is that they prove to the traditional public that these instruments are not just for gospel and not just for, uh, wildwood flower or (laughs) orange blossom special. Like we can, we can actually do contemporary music with these instruments. I think yeah. that might be their biggest takeaway. Yeah, true. 
true. All right, right on. Well, cheers it out. Twenty miles.